In today's episode, Maka and I sit down and have a conversation with Mohale Mashigo, an award-winning author and, in her words, storyteller. We have a big conversation around superheroes, what it means to be supported, how we keep rocking as women and how to surround ourselves with women. It's a really great episode full of honest insights from Mohale. We hope you enjoy it. Keep rocking. Hello, everybody. It's a pleasure to be again on another episode of She Rocks Global. In this case, I'm here with Navisa. How are you, Navisa, today? Hello from Cape Town. Yeah, I'm here in Uruguay, each from each continent. But today we have a very, very, very special guest. Uh, and I'm so happy to introduce you to Mohale Mashigo. Um, it's special not only because she's in Cape Town and she's a close friend of Navisa, but because she was one of the ladies that most inspired us on our trip to Cape Town on 2019th with Zoya. And we are very, but very happy to have her on our show. Hello, Carol Moha. Well, she's Carol for our friends and it's Mohale for the general <laughs> audience. Welcome to She Rocks. How are you today? I'm fine. Thank you, Maka. This is so exciting. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Thank you for being here. We know you are pretty busy these days um, for a start. And just to start the conversation, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because we don't want to tell anybody's stories. Okay, well, I'm Mohale Mashiko. I like to call myself a storyteller. Um, it's, it's a better title than saying I'm just an author because I do so many different things uh, using storytelling. I was born and raised in Soweto, and now I live in a place that should be called a retirement village in Cape Town. It's called Hout Bay. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I love to tell stories, whether it's through music or comic books or children's books. That's what I like to do, and that's what I do. What? Oh, I mean, I'm ready. I'm like, I want to tell, I want to ask all the questions already. Go, um, go, 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 shoot. It's so interesting that you, you make this distinction around saying, you know, I don't want to be just an author. I'm a storyteller and I've got all these different devices that I use to tell stories. What is it that you think is so important about having stories to tell and having stories that are told? Well, I think living in South Africa, we've had a real problem of not telling the stories, the real stories of our country, you know, once because it was the law to kind of keep stories away from people and use propaganda. And now because I think it seems like it was such a long time ago, we don't talk about where we come from. And for me, stories are definitely uh, a device used to kind of bring people together, but also to say who you are, where you come from, and then you can tell fantastical stories about where you want to go. So for me, really, stories are how we understand ourselves and the world that we live in. And there are some pretty important stories that still need to be told. I love that answer. Um... I would like to know the story that brought you here. What brought you here today the, to be that author, to be that well-known, like global-known uh, storyteller? Uh, tell us that story. What brought you here, Carol? I come from a story of, I come from a family of storytellers, you know. Um, so we've always told stories in my family, and my mom is the main storyteller. So we'd be like driving somewhere and there'd be a traffic light that's like broken. And then she'll make up a story about how the traffic light feels. And so we've, we've always entertained each other and ourselves with stories. And that was always encouraged. Um, 
my dad, however, he wanted me to be like a doctor or Oprah. I mean, I don't know how you can become Oprah if Oprah already exists, but he always had this idea that you have to be the Oprah of whatever you do. You have to be the best at whatever it is you do. So if you're going to, I don't know, paint dogs red, be the best painter of dogs there is. And so... I guess I went to university for my dad because he really wanted me to get a degree. And while I was there, I realized, actually, I I would like to use music. You know, I would like to use music as a way to express myself. So I used to hang out with some music students instead of, you know, going to my journalism classes. (laughs) And um, I used music and then I worked in radio as a content producer And that way I was also telling stories. And somehow along the way, I started writing a novel. And that's really the the beginning of everything, I would say, writing that novel and then moving on to short stories and working for comics. So what brought me here actually is that I come from a family of storytellers. So I, I almost feel like I was meant to do what I'm doing. Which is such a privilege. Um, and so what story did you need to tell yourself maybe or maybe tell your dad when he at some point maybe wanted you to be a doctor or the Oprah of something and um, what story did you need to tell to get to this point of saying actually I'm a storyteller dad I think I just had made a decision that I was going to keep this little story to myself you know and you can only hide from what your journey is for so long so, I mean, I left, I left university and I moved to Cape Town and then I worked at an advertising agency and I worked in radio and everything that I was doing was pointing towards me being a storyteller. And so I didn't tell my dad that I had written a book until it was like I'd signed the contract, it'd gone to the printers and I had a book. And then I said, oh, and by the way, I wrote a book. And my dad was like, what? Um, And so it was kind of a surprise story. And he was like, oh, okay, so what happens now? And I said, I don't know. I wrote the book. I guess we'll see what happens after it goes out into the public. And he read the, the novel and he said, I have no idea you could tell stories like this. So I guess now he's supportive. Before, I think he was just like so confused because I was supposed to be the Oprah of media, I guess. And then he got the Oprah of writing. <laughs> but he got Oprah at the end, and I think that's great. And you're so young. Um, I don't know. It's not that easy. You tell it in a way that it seems like even easy to become a worldwide known um, storyteller, being a woman from Cape Town. Uh, what is the, like your secret secret soul like to to get there? What maybe it's. You think that uh, being a storyteller is the superpower? Or which is your superpower? You know what? Storytelling is a superpower. Imagine just on a piece of paper, there's a couple of words and you're able to transport somebody to a place that either exists or a place that doesn't exist and they live with the character for a long time. So I feel like it is a superpower. I only wish that it was a superpower that paid a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I feel privileged to be able to say that I went through all of this. I don't know. I feel like I, I felt like I had no real direction in life. I was just going with the flow. But apparently going with the flow was headed to exactly where I need to be. Absolutely. And so in terms of you, you do own the fact that storytelling is your superpower because it is a superpower that you have. Um, yeah. And at the 
the time, I know that in some of the writing that you've done, and I'm sure in our episode notes, we will actually list um, all your works so that if listeners want to, you know, either buy some of your work, which is very important, um, or at least then get some sort of inspiration from what you've done, I think that's necessary. Um, So some of your work actually also deals with superheroes. Can you tell us a little bit more in terms of why for you it's important to tell the stories of those who then possess superpowers and what that actually really means for you in terms of there's obviously something that you resonate with that gets you to that place of telling stories about superheroes. So my older brother introduced me to comics, but it wasn't superhero comics. It was like Spooky and Wendy and I can't even remember the rest of them. But it was it was kind of these like these lovely comics that had nothing to do with superheroes. And my younger brother introduced me to superhero comics. And um, at the time, I was like, uh, I don't know. I mean, I've watched the Batman animated series on TV growing up. Why would I want to read comic books about superheroes? But I got into it. And when I got into it, I realized that comic books or superheroes are definitely who we think we could be, you know, the best version of ourselves. You know, it's like Superman. He He's not wealthy. He's a journalist trying to get the story to people. He comes from a farm, you know, and it's like, if he can be great, why can't we be great? And I think that's what I love about uh, writing superheroes. It's kind of like what happens if we imagine the best version of ourselves and then add some, some, you know, some human things that happen there, you know, a little bit of like altruism, but also is it like ego? Uh, what are the interpersonal relationships with um, the superhero and the villains? So I, I like it. It's kind of like a, a high level look at humanity. That's quite interesting because I think one of the things that we, when we had made our founding notes about She Rocks, and I'd be interested to see what your thoughts are, one of our sort of promises to ourselves was that we wanted to eliminate this idea that women needed to become superheroes, that they needed to be you know, excellent at everything that they do and, and to almost shed the superhero complex and effectively be perfectly imperfect. Um, so I'm wondering if you have any thoughts in terms of what that feels like, what that looks like to you, and if that is something that you agree with or is something that you disagree with, um, and, and just your thoughts around that intersection then with when we look at women, the superhero complex, in relation to what you also define to be superheroism. You know what's funny? When I think about how men deal with uh, superheroes in, in comics and in films, they almost feel represented like that is their default like they could be iron man now if they had the money and technology you know they could be superman now if you know they came from krypton whereas women have a very different uh, conversational relationship with you know with superheroes and it's like oh that's nice you know it's like that superhero was complicated whatever but when we look at superheroes i don't think we ever we ever feel like that's our default and that's okay as well, you know, because I don't think we, we should we should be going out into the world wanting to be superheroes, to be real with you. I mean, I certainly had a not perfect journey that brought me here and I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And I feel like there's something freeing about um, accepting that it's not perfect. I don't know what's happening, but I'll get there when I get there, if I get there, you know. I feel like even if you look at... Um, 
women in superhero comics, you know. It's like in, in the MCU, they had fat Thor, and people were still fawning over him. They were like, oh, Thor got fat because his heart was broken. But it would be a very different reaction if, I don't know, somebody like Black Widow had gotten fat, you know. Like, women who are superheroes always have to be buff and be wearing completely ridiculous outfits. It's like, why are you a super warrior and your midriff is out? That seems pretty dangerous for a person who's, like, at war, (laughs) essentially. So, yeah, I think I have that kind of relationship with uh, when I think about female superheroes, which is why when Marvel asked me to create... um, a local Captain America, and she's a black woman. I wanted her to look. She's I so I wanted her to be a gymnast, and so I said I want her to be short like Simone Biles, you know, and I want her to have the kind of body that, you know, a gymnast would have. So she doesn't have these super large breasts and this tiny, tiny waist. She's built like an athlete, you know, and I was very happy that I was able to create a character that. You can see she's a gymnast. You can see she's covered. She runs around in these big boots because, you know, she has to kick butt. She's not, like, walking around in... What does Wonder Woman have? Um, she normally like has those... And, like, stiletto boots that, like, are thigh high. wedge boots. And I'm always, like, she's running in wedge boots. I feel so bad for her ankles and her knees. <laughs> So I like the idea that um, women don't have to be superheroes. And if they are superheroes, they must look like, you know, a normal woman. That, that's great. And I think, uh, like, being a female writer, you bring very different stuff for the, to the table. Uh, and also, maybe that's interesting. As a writer, uh, do you feel that also you have different challenges because of being a woman? For example, in international uh, places where you go with your books and stuff? I definitely feel like as a a woman who writes, I'm expected to do a lot of um, a lot of mothering and a lot of teaching in my work. And it's like if I wanted to do that, I would have become like a, a professor in a creative writing class. Like I want to write a story about a woman who grows wings and that's it, you know. And um, when I was in France, I had a lot of people ask me, like, so what does that mean? What are you saying about the bodies of women? And I said, all I do is write stories. You find the meaning in the story when you bring your own baggage and your your own worldview into that. And I feel like male writers get this thing of like, tell us about the, the the creative process, whereas we pretty much get asked about, you know, um, how do you feel about uh, women characters or whatever? And it's like one of these days I'm actually going to write a book from the perspective of a man and maybe they won't ask me about how I feel about <laughs> female characters. Yeah, male writers get taken seriously from the jump, even if their writing is crap. They, they, have, they have that privilege. Hmm. As I say, and then you can obviously maybe add, not obviously, you, you can possibly then add a layer of them being a black person and a layer of being an African to that. Um, yeah. or that becomes quite an interesting cocktail of a lot of education and teaching and suddenly representing these big groups that are often seen as homogenous. And yet you're like, I, I'm not here to carry the African continent on my back through my writing or whatever. But that's me editorializing 
I also occupy such a small part of the continent. And imagine me sitting here in Hout Bay trying to speak for the entire continent, but also not just the entire continent, black women of the continent. I'm just like, please free me from this. I didn't sign up to be a spokesperson, you know, for all <laughs> women writers. I'm just like, leave me alone. But it's funny how people then interact with your work when you are a black woman writer from the continent. And that is, I, I wrote something in my debut novel, and it was something silly like this. The main character was making fun of her, her teenage love, and she called his room Chateau Table. I think that was his name. And I was in France and they were translating this work and I got an email asking me if that was a hip hop reference. I was like, what? I mean, the only other reference that you can go from are from the world of hip hop because you're black. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, out of all of the countries in the world, I never would have expected this because Chateau, like, isn't that what, isn't that your word? Like, you know what that is. And then they went, oh, and they were a little disappointed that it had nothing to do with hip hop or I wasn't, you know, I, I just wasn't African or black enough. I was like, sorry, she was just making fun of his smelly room. Nothing, nothing more, nothing less. I'm happy to hear that you are doing a great job as a female black African role model for writers, like a, a, a disruptive one. And I love that. And, I, and I'm sad to listen that also in, in the writing industry, same happens for women, especially when we have intersectionality with race and whatever, everything. But anyway, yeah. I want to go to your personal life a little bit now. And I would like mm -hmm. to know, um, uh, because you, you, you talked a little bit about a very um, different or, or resilience journey. I would like to know um, what talents you today, now, personally, what talents uh, Mohale today? What, what challenges me? That's the question. Um, I actually am, so I decided that I would, I would keep doing what I love to do as long as I keep challenging myself all the time. And Uh, crossing over into other platforms as a storyteller has been really, really challenging. But just because of the technical aspects, you know, it's like I'm I'm writing for TV and we're, we're, we're kind of developing an animated series, something that I've never done. So that's challenging. I love it, though, because I never want to walk into a space and go, oh, I know that, I know that, I know that. So I think those are some of my challenges right now. Just I'm writing for games as well, and I don't even play games. So that one is definitely is definitely keeping me up at night when I think about that. But I just I think I'm challenging myself because I don't just want to be known as an author. As much as I, I love being an author, I don't want that to be my only thing, you know. Um, a friend of mine, Zeke Sumda, used to say, I, I had a call with him two weeks ago, and he said, I don't know what it is with you kids and just wanting to do one thing. He says, in my day, I wrote books and then I wrote plays and I was painting and I was a musician and that's just what we did. You know, and after I had that conversation with Zex, I was like, absolutely. I mean, and I think that's why I prefer to call myself a storyteller because if, God forbid, I ever start painting, I'm very bad at like doing, you know, visual things. But if I start painting, I'm like, I'm telling stories through my, my paintings. So I'm trying to let go of this idea that I only have to be one thing. So that's one of my challenges right now. 
And how do you how do you grapple with when you are going through a personal challenge? Um, as somebody who kind of, you know, you tell stories, you particularly also have an interest in telling stories through sort of a superhero type of lens. How does it play out for you when you are grappling then with the challenge in terms of how does Mohale deal with her challenges and how maybe does that show up in some of your stories? I never think that my frustrations show up in my stories until I read them after a couple of years and I go, oh, I remember what I was going through here. So I think sometimes the challenges that I go through, I I throw into the stories not knowing because for me, storytelling is also a way for me to figure out the world that that I live in and how I feel about it. And so when I read back my short stories on intruders, I I can definitely tell that I was struggling with being a woman in in a very violent country like South Africa. I was struggling with um, watching someone in my family, you know, struggle with substance abuse. And that all that all comes through when I read the stories now. And I realize after the fact that I, I use my writing as a way to deal with whatever I'm going through. And sometimes I get answers and sometimes it's just therapeutic to, to write it down. What advice would you give to a girl that dreams to be uh, the opera of writing in South Africa? <laughs> well, firstly, I'd tell her that job is taken. So go and be the... <laughs> I love you. No. Um, I think I would tell... Uh, a young woman who wants to wants to write is that don't don't let your your circumstances your geographical position your your financial position um, limit your 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 imagination be fearless in in creating even if no one believes in it even if people are saying oh well who you know who wants to read stories about zombies in Soweto or whatever um, write whatever it is that you want to write and write without fear because that's the only place you can be fearless in your life is when you're creating. I, I wouldn't dare be as fearless as I am in my writing anywhere else in my life. I tread very carefully in life, but in my writing, I just kind of go crazy. And so in terms of, I mean, that's such beautiful advice to give to a young girl and perhaps even just advice to any person um, who's looking at doing different things. Um, you know, and it's, it's funny because you talk about being fearless through your craft and then you tread yeah. quite lightly in life. So how do you structure a circle of support for yourself and what does it look like so that as you tread lightly, there are those who probably also hopefully hold you lightly? Um, what does that look like? So who who supports Mohane? You know, the other day I was talking to a couple of writers and I said, I don't think any of us would be able to do what we do without community. You know, because when I'm writing, I may not be eating. I, I may not, uh, you know, check my phone or show up to anything for days and days and days. But I have people who draw me out of my, my kind of writer craze or whatever, you know. And I also have people that support me through my mental health um, issues. And so I think I, I have a community of people who understand what I'm going through. And even when they don't understand, they just provide a safe space for me to be as vulnerable as I need to be and also to, to disappear into my work, knowing that they'll be able to pull me out. So I think that's been very important. And the added, I, I guess the added bonus is that now my parents are part of that community. You know, 
they didn't quite understand this this writing thing. I don't I don't think they understand the comic book stuff or or the games that I write. But now they're part of my community. They're part of the circle that that holds me together. Uh, I love that you bring this about mental health because also I believe that uh, it's, uh, it's something that's really challenging us, especially this uh, over pandemia. How pandemia changed your your lifestyle or your or your dreams in a way? How do you reinvent yourself? How are you coping with this lockdown and and the the new ways of living? You know, I would be lying if I'm saying I'm coping. I think I'm just, I, I think of it as like minutes at a time. I actually, I've started uh, stretching out my day in, in Pomodoros. So it's like 25 minutes of working and then I take a five minute break and then another 25 minutes of working because I can't, I can't do long stretches anymore. And I think one of the things that's been really interesting is I spend so much time at home that I'm at the point of hating my home so I can change it because this is where I work now. This is where I socialize. This is where I relax. This is where I write. So right now, one of my biggest things is hating my home so I can change it. You know, I want to replace my whole, my whole kitchen. I, I want to start painting. And I never would have been interested in things like that. But the pandemic has made me want to be a DIY person. I love how honest you are and how you turn these things into opportunities. Um, I like it. Thank you for that. Um, we need to start wrapping up, but I want to ask you uh, one of the questions we asked that I, in this case, I think it's going to be very sexy, your answer. What makes you rock? <laughs> what makes me rock? You know what? Women make me rock, actually. In, in the past year of this pandemic, all I've had is women stand around me and hold me. And we've had, we've taken turns at holding each other. So women make me rock. I mean, I just, I don't know if I would be the person that I am if I didn't surround myself by all kinds of women, you know, but I do surround myself with women. So women make me rock. Yeah, definitely. And you rock. You definitely rock and definitely the best answer to that question since this show was created. Carol, oh, wow. thank you I'm very much for this conversation. You're also the You are! You are! <laughs> but, but, but of course, you're our storyteller. Come on, what should we expect? No, yeah, but really, I'm, I'm really... Something. You are. I know, really. I'm really happy for this conversation, for how honest you were uh, and how you showcase this perfectly imperfect uh, role model you are, uh, but especially this uh, invitation and encouraging other women to keep doing and to keep yourself, be surrounded by women. I think that's a great advice for whatever thing you are doing, for whoever you are, whatever you are, surround mm -hmm. your your life with women. Thank you very much. I very much enjoy this. Navisa, you want to say something to wrap up? No, I'm good, thank you. Keep rocking and thank you to everyone for listening and Mohali, thank you so much for your time. I feel like we probably might invite you back for another conversation, but... Yay! <laughs> thank you for having thank me. Thank you. You're always welcome. You're part of She Rocks Global forever, my dear. Have a nice day today. Thank you both. Thank you. She Rocks Global is a podcast collaboration produced by Macarena Botta, Nwabi Samayema and Zoya Kukic. This season of She Rocks Global was recorded in the American Corner Cape Town, which is also where you will find our sound engineer, T. Kraya Kekana. 
Theme music for this podcast is composed and arranged through a collaboration between South African musician Nosihe and Hannah Sagasa from Germany. Mixing engineer is T Luminous. She Rocks Global is a podcast that showcases the stories of perfectly imperfect women from around the world. Should you be or know someone whom you think we should be talking to, please contact us through our Facebook or Instagram or Twitter channels. Handle She Rocks Global. Hashtag She Rocks. Until next time, keep rocking.